1: So, I mean, we're talking about streaming shows predominantly, because that's kind of where things are going. And uh, recently, I actually got Peacock. Have you used Peacock at all?
0: I think I used Peacock to watch Sinister last year for the October episode, for a Halloween episode. That was the only time I used Peacock. Okay. Yeah. Because I got got
1: it because I go on like Comcast, Xfinity, and they give you their own version of like a Roku device called a Flex. Which is just terrible. I don't know if you ever tried to use
0: one of them. I've used a Roku. Is it just Roku's great? Roku is great. My um my father in law pretty much gets the new model every time, and then he just like gives the old one away. And the old one still nice. always works like perfectly fine. It it's not like an Apple product where it seems like they're putting out like updates that force obsolescence. <laughs> right. It's like it's like it actually still good. But it's flat. You call it's called Flex. It's called Flex. That's like Lex. I think there's two X's <laughs> of the name or something. <laughs> that what a that's like so full of itself. <laughs> just to be bad. <laughs> well
1: it's, yeah, it's interesting how they're trying to compete. because so I was just thinking about that, because I finally got Peacock for the first time. And they actually have like the WWE on there. Like mm-hmm. the WWE network is getting merged into that. Mm-hmm. Some people even think NBC Universal might just buy the WWE, which would be the worst thing to happen to wrestling ever. And then, because I was thinking about that, and I also think about the fact that Jupiter's... Was it called Jupiter's Legacy? Did you know anything about that show?
0: Isn't that the Netflix one?
1: Yeah. It cost $220 million, and it got canceled for one season.
0: So, was it aired on television?
1: It was aired on... It was a Netflix original. It's part of Mark Miller's, like, universe of characters, you know, who did, like, Kingsman. Sure. uh, Yeah, all that stuff. But then,
0: like... Wait, so start over i'm really confused is this are you saying that this is like one of those shows where like kind of like you where it's like it was made by someone else the netflix bought it and now netflix calls it a netflix original no so there's these are two topics that are the same in my brain
1: so follow me here jupiter's legacy is a netflix original series that they paid for they spent 220 million dollars to make this big superhero show for netflix And it tanked. They're canceling after one season. And So what they're doing is trying to create spinoffs for it. And so I'm just thinking about like Netflix is spending all this money to try and like create their own superhero franchise. And NBC Universal is creating his Peacock now. And they're trying to like, they're trying to team up with the WWE to make an Uber um, kind of like streaming service that will like try and get wrestling fans involved. And it's just like, there's this arms race to try and create more streaming content. And I wonder if like Disney Plus is kind of to blame in a sense, because Disney has their own streaming service with an endless supply of originals. Like, and they have guaranteed like audience because there's gonna be because they're Disney. Like, people are gonna keep subscribing because they need Star Wars, they need Marvel, they need all of these different franchises.
0: And there's it's just- like an IV. Please give me Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, but that's
1: the continuous drip. Like there's never they're never gonna run out of stuff. Amazon has greenlit a Lord of the Rings anime.
0: And two more seasons of Invincible. Yes, which is awesome.
1: But I don't know. It's just like, where does this all end? It's kind of my question where like now Netflix is spending hundreds of millions of dollars to try and compete to create their own superhero television show while Disney just keeps getting to to poop them out at like a a nonstop level. I don't know. It's just like there's a part of me that's just like worried about the future of streaming because of it where, like, everything's becoming so, like, con- like NBC has around streaming service now. So if you want to watch The Office or Parks and Rec, you got to get Peacock.
0: Yeah, I'll just stick to Voodoo, man. I I love that Voodoo overcame, like, the digital marketplace for, like, because there were, like, a lot of places you could buy movies uh, online and have them saved. And then, like, they kind of died out, but Voodoo still lives. And so, like, if you want Invader Zim and you don't want to have <laughs> Paramount+, Plus, because why would you want paramount plus you could just buy invader zim's two seasons which i could have sworn there were three seasons man but it was three discs it was three discs two seasons that i did not 30
1: episodes or something
0: barely it's 46 uh 11 minute episodes okay or something like that and technically i think 20 others that were ready to start being animated (laughs) and that just got you know got canceled but I can buy that on Voodoo. I don't need to get Paramount Plus. I have seasons one and two of The Office, and I also have a thrift store nearby, which always has seasons (laughs) of The Office there. So you just go there. I think just like how post COVID, there's sort of this like surprise, not surprise, but like, like where I work technically is making more money and doing more, is more successful than it was two years ago. So before COVID ever existed um and i think there might be some sort of like let's get back to like when things were a lot more easier and more in our control than like some sort of aggregate algorithm gives me stuff and because uh, i would rather much rather just own these things than i mean you're a big proponent for that too but i would just yes, much rather yeah. own these things like wandavision i'd love to like buy and have on blu-ray that's actually one of the only reasons i bought the stranger things blu-ray collection not collection even. It's really just like cardboard that makes it look like a VHS tape. But like, which is cool, is because I'm like, I can own that. And I didn't like season two. I didn't even finish it. But I'll probably get it because I'd like, I'd like to own that. That's interesting. So, are, what's your fear then? Like, what's your what's the um, big fear? Like, just that you have to. Oh, you start a show and then you realize if you want to keep up with it, you gotta keep well, your subscription service. First it's
1: this thing of I don't know if I, I don't know if I should ever start a show now because I don't know if it's ever gonna get more than one season because things are gonna get
0: canceled at like an absurd rate. Yeah, Netflix is like the new what was this what was the one service um in the two thousands and the early twenty tens that everyone was like, don't like their shows, they'll cancel it? It was like NBC or Fox or somebody. Oh, yeah, something um like that. and it was literally like, If you like that show, it's not gonna make it. It just won't. Oh, gosh, I remember. I remember a lot of them. It was like, yeah. A lot of them were Brian Fuller show. I think it was the one that did Firefly. That was Fox, yeah. So it must have been Fox. Because I know, yeah. I think Prison or Breakout Kings was Fox too. And I liked that show. I thought it was a pretty cool cop drama. And then like the second season ends on a massive cliffhanger. And just like, oh, we canceled it. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. Like this is ridiculous.
1: Yeah, my primary concern is just that all of these different streaming services are like becoming more and more specific where like, so like I'm watching like Parks and Recreation on Peacock, right. And they have the ads for the service you're using. Like we have, but like they only have like three or four franchises they can tout. Cause it's like, we got Jurassic Park, Fast and Furious, Harry Potter, Matrix. Those are the four things that keep showing at every single ad break. <laughs> where it's just like, it used to be like, Oh, if, just get Netflix, man. Netflix is everything. And now it's just like, well like you have this one for this one and this one for this one and it's like they're all like doing their best to try and create something and i don't know it's just it's and it's not the whole thing of like oh they're just creating we're just creating cable again because if you want everything you just have to subscribe to a bunch of services all at once
0: where the smart thing to do is just to subscribe while the show you want is out and then cancel your subscription if you want everything get hbo max that thing i mean yeah that's massive massive catalog it's it's really good. You could you could cancel your Criterion collection account just to have HBO Max because they have tons of Criterion stuff on there. They have a lot of the stuff that you could watch on Hulu, they have on HBO Max. The benefit though of Hulu is if it's a kid's show, I'm pretty sure they're not allowed to like advertise to you. And so like we've been watching regular show on there. Because Hulu's cheaper and then doesn't have ads running on there. Whereas like if you wanted the same price for HBO Max, because I think they're about to come up with a cheaper tier with ads. Okay, that's cool. Then I'm sure they'll maybe have to run it. I don't know. I guess maybe they wouldn't if it's like a policy thing. Yeah, I mean, because like, when you're looking at Disney and we just talked about WandaVision and now we're cutting into Falcon and Winter Soldier, it's like, oh, if you want to watch your Marvel stuff, you got to pay up. <laughs> Twelve dollars a month. Oh, and by the way, we release them weekly, <laughs> which is <smart laughs> like, yeah, know. it keeps the money in. Unless you're like me and you binge. But uh, did you see the
1: news story where like Mindy Kaling is making a show just about um, what's it like Velma? Do you see that story about Mindy Kaling making a show just about Velma from Scooby Doo? No, I, I know nothing. So, um, believe it or not, I'm a huge Scooby Doo fan
0: as a kid yeah we got to talk about scoob at some point because i know you got a lot to talk about with that i do too (laughs) i i was i watched that movie folding clothes one of the first hbo max stuff i watched and i was just like for some reason could not stop looking at it
1: (laughs) so like to be clear i'm like there's some people where it's like oh yeah i'm a big transformers fan but like that means as an adult they're still watching transformers cartoons and stuff i'm not like that like i watched Scooby Doo as a child and i have many fond memories but i've not had any reason to go back and watch it Um, But I was interested because it's like, okay, so Mindy Kaling, who I like, you know, she wrote a lot of the best Office episodes, you know, she she's doing a Velma cartoon, but it was revealed today that Velma in this cartoon is going to be uh, Asian, like East of East Asian descent, and it's going to take place in a world that doesn't have mystery ink or anything in it. So it's a Velma show without and Velma's a different character essentially (laughs) and there's no Scooby-Doo elements
0: isn't that the um, Birds of Prey show from like the 2000s where it's like it's its own or even Catwoman where the Catwoman movie was not Selena Kyle Birds of Prey at least tried to kind of tie into like the
1: larger DC mythos because they had like Batman and Joker in it kind of but like yeah like Catwoman which just has no Batman or DC Comics element it's kind of like that yeah a cat burps in her face and
0: she gets superpowers and
1: so people are wondering if Mindy Kaling just had a pitch for a show about an asian girl detective and they just couldn't get the pitch off the ground so they decided to just add like oh but it's actually scooby doo kind of like the pennyworth show on um on crackle or whatever it's on where it's like yeah it's a show about a british detective who ends up being alfred from batman <laughs> you
0: know yeah that's weird it's, it's where
1: it's like did they just not have any like which ties into my main concern which is like netflix tried spent 200 million dollars on a new show a new superhero show and it tanked it didn't work. So now we're just going to get more Velma shows where it's like, they're just taking an IP that you kind of recognize and making something completely different out of it. Cause that's the only way to get original ideas on the air anymore. And like, as part of the streaming wars, they're just going to like, like guys, we have a new, it just like picks the thing out of a hat. Like, Oh, it's a new night court show um but it's you know it's,
0: it would be so happy mr Plinket would be
1: happy about like oh but it's actually about a guy who's like a judge on the streets and he solves crimes with a magic eagle you know and they call him night court because he does his work at night you know
0: or something and that's because night court's more popular statistically than judge dread i guess uh, yeah,
1: so I this is well judge Dredd doesn't have a magic eagle or whatever but, like, but he does have the giant
0: golden eagle
1: on his shoulder that's right and he's Judge Jury executioner <laughs> it's just, I don't know. It's like the weird results of like the streaming wars where now it's like in a world where now you could have all the shows you want. We're just getting, we're getting He-Man again, but it's from Kevin Smith now, you know, and we're getting live action Powerpuff Girls. And I think
0: I just heard it's a continuation, but then they don't have the original He-Man on Netflix. No, I don't think. And it's sort of my frustration with the Invader Zim movie. It's like, I love, I think it's a really good movie. I just rewatched it. It was very, very funny, but I can't watch the original, I can't watch the show on there that it's really strange. And I, you know, thinking about like how like these, these companies are trying to cover things or, or maybe make new things, but then they're just shoving it into like a a franchise that already exists. There are, there are parts (laughs) of Falcon, and Winter Soldier, that kind of give me that energy, where it kind of just wants to cut in and put certain like topics it wants to talk about, but without the the nuance and care that like WandaVision carried. But I guess like if we want to get into that, I we should probably go ahead and s-
1: introduce the show. I just want <laughs> to yeah, I just want to put a button on what I'm talking. I don't know. I just have yeah, we could talk about Falcon Winter Soldier. I just have all <laughs> these like weird. I just have all these weird concerns, where it's just like I don't want to live in a world where it's just like you know, we're just getting like the fifth version of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or something. And cause everyone's too afraid, even though Give they me have the
0: first one where they're really violent. <laughs> Remember the comic? It was the first yeah, comic no, yeah, was yeah. stupidly violent. <laughs> and they reference
1: there's this like turtle Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, like animated movie where they like, they travel to different versions of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And one of them's that version. It's like, <laughs> and, like Raphael's like, these guys are great. Cause they're so violent and angry. Like <laughs> I can't believe I've seen that for some reason. Um, But yeah, I just want to live in this world where like we have a million streaming services, but they are just like, they're too afraid to like greenlight anything too expensive that doesn't already have a built-in audience.
0: Or too risky. Or too risky. You're you're, like greenlighting something that's so risky that like you actually repel people from the franchise a la like Star Wars. I don't know. um,
1: Weird offhand thing. Did you see the Powerpuff Girls live action script that got leaked?
0: No, I didn't. No. It's horrible. (laughs) It's like one of the worst things I've ever read. Look that up at some point. Is this an upcoming episode or is this your recommendation ahead of the game?
1: <laughs> the recommendation is to see if you can find it. It got taken out. At first, people were like, this can't be real. It's too bad. This has to be parody. And then it got copyright stricken and taken off the internet. And ah. Everyone's like, oh my gosh, it was real. <laughs> Stry's Sand
0: effect. <laughs> it's happening. <laughs> um,
1: it's really bad. And yeah, and they're reshooting the Powerpuff Girls pilot to try and to say, save it. Uh, but apparently their, their goal is to make it even more serious and quote realistic, which is the opposite of the feedback from the script. So
0: that's like the Wonka movie, the the orig- one of the Wonka movies. And the one that got greenlit just now is going to be a comedy. But like there was another script floating around that like he's like PTSD ridden after World War One, And like it's like a constant misery, like cynical movie a la Joker. Like literally it has like Joker energy and it's just like it's one of those movies that people read the script and they're like, I want to watch this movie. <laughs> I really want to It'd see it. It would be great if it wasn't marketed as a Willy Wonka movie and
1: that was like the secret ending of the movie. where like You just see him <laughs> buying a giant factory and it's like, Yeah. And your name, sir? um, Willy Wonka. <laughs> and, like, hmm. and it just shows him putting on the suit at the end of the movie. <laughs> it would be great. All the Oompa Loompas. Are just like um, his friends from war with
0: horrible injuries. Stands at a pulpit. I am Willy Wonka. <laughs> and then Iron Man starts playing. Hey there, it's your friendly neighborhood call to action. Just checking in on you. Hope you're doing all right. I'm just stopping by to say, you know, if you enjoy the show, you can always subscribe and write a review for Cinematic Doctrine. There's iTunes, Podchaser, basically anywhere you listen. You can give us a shout-out with a thumbs-up, five stars, gripping positivity. Or if you hate the show, you can say that, too. Wait, what? What are you saying? Why are you saying that? Well, I'm not going to tell them what to do, Ted. They're free to do what they want. Our analytics say we got a lot of listeners in the U.S., and you know they love their freedoms. And you're also free to check out our Twitter. Very active there. We host polls, memes. There's also the Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group called Cinematic Doctrine Facebook group. If you want to join, just answer the questions, read the rules, and tell them the podcast sent you. Also, you should check out our website. Some really cool stuff there. Editorials, written reviews for movies we haven't had time to cover. Always check out cinematicdoctrine.com when you get the chance. Oh, uh, Ted also told me I shouldn't forget to mention the Patreon. Something about you can support us or something? Wait, Ted. I thought this was like a hobby thing. You I want me to, to expand Cinematic Doctrine, you know right, this already. Right, right, yeah, I I forgot, I'm the one who put all this together. Yeah, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as low as $3 a month, you can gain access to exclusive content like The Pre-Show, which features free form and Christian-friendly discussions on all kinds of topics, as well as influence the podcast. That's right, each month you get to vote on a movie we discuss on the show. Previous movies our lovely Patreon supporters have chosen are To All the Boys I've Loved Before, Hamilton, Onward, and American Gospel Christ Alone. Huh, you guys have good taste. Anyways, I gotta run, so I'll see you guys later. If if anyone listening can understand uh, how we feel about Falcon, it's that it's okay, and it's really not worth talking about. But I guess we're going to talk about it. In a no, we're going to talk about it. <laughs> so, all right, let's save this. Let's get there's into it. There's two. There's two halves to this Falcon and Winter Soldier
1: review. There's my review of the first five episodes, and there's my review of the <laughs> last episode. Um, but you, you said you're going to introduce the show. Yeah, so.
0: I'll go ahead and introduce it. Um, I just sometimes there's just conversations that are much more engaging to me than whatever <laughs> we're planning on actually talking about. Anyways, so Falcon and Wonder Soldier is the second of the Marvel, the MCU TV shows that they're basically putting out. And uh, of the three that we basically knew about, which was WandaVision, Falcon, and then Loki, Falcon was the one that when I talked to people, they were the least excited for because it just looked more like just like a tactical espionage thing and not quite as like mysterious as WandaVision or just... Without the charisma of Tom Huddleston being Loki and also the mystery that's surrounding that one too, which also looks like it has to do with TVs. So I don't know. That's kind of interesting. But then I know that when people were watching it, they actually quite enjoyed it and the show seemed to improve as it went on. Um, But that's more about engagement. The actual show itself is um, characters who I don't remember. So I'll just use (laughs) a mixture of characters (laughs) with names and actors with names um, because everyone's got one. Anthony Mackie, uh, our Falcon, basically is just the beginning of the show. He's trying to just get alone. Um, It's just very like daily life. Um, He's doing missions here and there, but they're, Kind of more just like working with the military style missions and then, yeah, getting a loan so that they can fix their boat, their family boat, because it's important to him. Simultaneously, Bucky is um, going to therapy um, and it's a court mandated therapy for all of the PTSD he's accrued for basically murdering several I guess you could say hundreds, maybe even thousands of people because he was alive forever um, the whole time. (laughs) And uh, it's not going well. The therapy is difficult for him. He's trying to reconcile the guilt and the shame that he carries. And the way that they portray this, I think, was really effective. And I I wish we got more of. And especially with the way the character arc ends for him, I wish was much more effective. Even so, it's quite compelling. He's trying to make amends with the people that he helped or influenced or affected during the time that he was the Winter Soldier, without necessarily telling them he's the Winter Soldier, or in other cases they know he was, and he's basically saying, "I'm done." Or in some cases, trying to like trying to say he's sorry. On top of that, he's trying to also live his life a bit reluctantly. Um, so in the first episode, there's a scene where he goes on a date, and it's quite difficult. And it's, uh, it's emotional. It's because we have the additional information of like, this is just a really tragic, sad character whose past is worse than, frankly, his future. His future seems pretty bright, um, unless Kevin Feige has a lot of tragic uh, intentions for the next phase. Um, with If WandaVision had anything to say, that, that had some tragic uh, energy to it. So, but then, of course, there's a main plot going on, apart from the drama, and that's that there's this terrorist group And it's... The Flag Smashers. uh, Yeah, the Flag Smashers. And they're debatable, considered terrorist group, because, of course, the show wants to... Well, the show is playing with nuance. I won't say that it is successfully employing nuance, but it's playing with nuance of it depends on whose side you're on, whether or not this is a terrorist group. But the particular objective is that they believe that life was better... I believe before the blip or were these people who were blipped back in? Correct me if life I'm wrong. Life was
1: better during the blip because During the blip, right. What happened is that during this time of chaos and upheaval, all these other countries just opened up their borders Worked and would together, take everyone in right. and everyone, you know, it was it, it was exactly the world that raged against the machine <laughs> wants to exist, you know. Um so yeah, life was better because it was just a big old community and they gardened together and helped one another out and didn't matter race or creed. Everyone was working together in a big old um, city on a hill, so to speak. So
0: simultaneously they're helping out refugees and uh, they're helping out where NATO and other government agencies are not. Um, I don't know if it's particularly NATO, but let's be real here. The show's pretty overt about the examples it's giving. Uh, blip being Arab Spring, refugees being the Arab Spring refugees. You have terrorist organizations and groups regarding like purposes and what what they're doing behind and trying doing en- like trying to engage why people are doing what they're doing when you're thinking across c- country lines. Anthony Mackey's entire uh, c- c- please help me with his character's actual name. Because I'm just going to use the actor's name or I'm going to use Falcon. What is his actual name?
1: Who, Anthony Mackey?
0: Yeah, in the show. Sam Wilson? Sam Wilson. He basically has decided not to take on, um, I was going to say the cowl, but that's Batman. He's not taking the shield of playing Captain America. And he's decided to say, this is a symbol that needs to be out there and represent that like we can be Quote unquote, Captain America. We don't need the symbol. We can just do better. So he's reconciling what it means to really deny himself from the gift that he's been given to be Captain America. Of course, even the phraseology gift is debatable. Meanwhile, he's learning about his history and the US history, um, both as a black man and also as an Avenger and a hero, um, and how that affects, like, I mean, I'm talking about this scene with Alone. he he doesn't get the loan (laughs) and it's almost pretty clearly um, it's at the very least it's, it's emphasized as a systematic thing um, as opposed to like an overtly racist thing. But that doesn't of course mean that the system isn't racist. And then also you have Bucky who's going through basically reconciling his past of being bad, uh, which is also a very modern thing for a lot of people is reconciling like, how have I contributed to a poor uh, dangerous system or am I responsible for particular things that have affected people that I care about who are who don't look like me? The show is complicated. Um, I think it might have too much going on, going into my opinion. I mean, I think it has a lot that it really wants to get into, but I don't know if I necessarily like how it gets into them. And I don't necessarily know if it balances them balances them well. If you were to compare this to WandaVision, WandaVision is a lot more serious and a lot of the comedy is situational. It's not one-liners. And I think the comedy is very funny in WandaVision, as opposed to a lot of other Marvel movies, which is just one-liners that aren't very funny. Frankly, when it comes to Disney properties, I think Pixar gets one-liners pretty well. I think they're usually quite funny and very effective. And very like on the nose but just really good and well delivered whereas like Marvel's one-liners have just always been very frustrating or or offensive. I mean Ultron has some really offensive one-liners when you go back to it, but that kind of makes sense when you see who wrote it. And this show does a lot of one-liners, but then also seems to want to do what Daniel and I have talked about where it's like these Marvel shows want to be a bit more adult and mature than the movies were. And so we'll get into it when we get like more in depth into the discussion. We don't really have a spoilers bar. We just sort of naturally get into it. So if you're over halfway into the episode, expect spoilers. But there's like a part in this se- season that gets rough and it's just really quick, but it's kind of in the midst of like constant jokes and weird banter that like it just it's very confusing, but not in the WandaVision where like an episode can end with this tragic sadness and then bring out a really good joke that leaves me confused this is more like the they didn't mean to make it so confusing um i feel like dan i mean we talked we talked i think of the two so anyone listening we've actually recorded these back to back but of the two that we're, we're talking about we talked about falcon the most before we got started because i think falcon leaves us the most frustrated and i kind of feel like some of my frustrations here but i want to hear your frustration before we get into the specifics because it's hard to discuss frustrations without being specific so right. let me pass this over dan what What do you think about this show what what you vibe so
1: the first five episodes are i really enjoyed the first five episodes of the show Um, I'm a sucker for anything that gets into just like showing what the day to day life is in a weird world. I like the stuff in Mandalorian where you just see what life is like for the different people in different planets.
0: Yeah, like the frog lady. Like
1: the like the best best character in the show. I
0: gotta I gotta get to another planet, but you gotta fly. You can't do light speed or else you my, know. My, my eggs will die. Or like, yeah, that's or the, really cool.
1: Yeah, that's really cool. And then you get the the people on I think it was a like Tatooine where like the minute the Empire fell, it was just a different group of bad people took over the town. <laughs> right,
0: yeah. You know, because of the power vacuum. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> stuff like that always i really enjoy that kind of stuff in fact the winter soldier early on has a lot of that where you see like when sam olsen's not being the falcon he's just a guy he's trying to make it trying to get a loan so he's just uh, a for dude. His family's business yeah i like that you see actual consequences for people's actions like bucky poor winter soldier he's dealing with all the fallout from all the lives he took yeah you know, it calls back to that line in civil war where you know, Iron Man's pressing like, do you remember my parents? And he very bluntly says, like, I remember everyone. I remember every single person I ever killed. And that's pretty heavy. And that's um, it really grounds the characters and gives sort of context for all of these different action sequences you see them in where they're just killing tons and tons of people. And, you know, there's some actual file. There's really blood on their hands for that. Right, and I like seeing what life was like in the during the time post blip, post snap, whatever you want to say. I like yeah, that.
0: I thought that was a really cool narrative choice throughout the throughout the series. Was to yeah, I mean, like the blip is such an interesting plot point <laughs> to be like, hey, like we get a bit of that five years in Endgame, but not much. Yeah, but remember, it was five years. <laughs> <Like> it's
1: <that's- laughs> the single worst thing to happen ever. Yeah,
0: <laughs> so <laughs> <It's> so bad. <laughs> you know,
1: and we we forget like. You know, we, the audience, are aware, are aware of the fact that people are coming back. The people in the universe here do not know that, you know. And, you know, it's been a pop, popular fan desire. is like, oh, if you want to relaunch a lot of the or just like incorporate all the stuff from the other television shows, um, yeah, the Netflix carriers look work great in the show that takes place during that five-year period. Just following the Punisher around, like killing all these bad
0: guys, like all these <laughs> yeah. like,
1: pirates and, and drug dealers. Because there's
0: half of the heroes are gone. So, like, why not? Yeah,
1: someone's got to clean up the debris. It's going to be, you know, John Berenthal's uh, Frank Castle, you know. So that stuff is really great. But then when you, when you get into the actual narrative thrust of it, where I love the character of John Walker, who they introduce, who um, early in the very first episode, they established that Sam Wilson does not feel um, like you should take out the mantle of Captain America, which is great. I really like that. I like the idea that yeah. he's like, you know, Steve Rogers was really his own person. He stands alone. Right. And he represents America in a way that I never can. So you do get into the stuff there where, you know, we're dealing with Sam Wilson is carrying the weight of, um, as, um, Zemo put it, the African American experience where, you know, he's just like, this isn't for me. And there's a lot of personal reasons for this, but at a, also at a grand scale, like he wants to respect the legacy, his friend on top of that. So, and then the United States government immediately just goes, we need a win. We need someone to help, you know, because we've lost the Avengers. And the Avengers, whether they like it or not, are very American symbols in this world. And so, we need a mascot. And so, they hire this guy, John Walker, who is the perfect soldier um, to be the new Captain America. They even give him a black friend um, to help him appeal to everyone. <laughs> Uh, Battlestar, who is he's a
0: good performer? Who's
1: good? He's great. He's and he's a good guy. They, styled, they do a good job in the show of showing that Battlestar um, is a you know for as far as the barometer goes for characters, he's a good dude. He you know he's a lot, very much John Walker's conscience, and but in complete contrast to Steve Rogers, you know, at the very beginning of the first Captain America film, which talks to Stanley Tucci, the conversation he has is, "I do not want to give a serum to a good soldier. I want to give it to a good man." And that is the key difference between Steve Rogers and John Walker. John Walker is, he's a soldier through and through. He takes orders. He does exactly what he's told to do. While Steve Rogers was very much a man of his own conscience. He made decisions based on what he thought was the right thing to do, good or bad. And so we see as John Walker attempts throughout the show to do what he thinks is the right thing to do based on his orders, where he constantly messes up missions. He constantly does might makes right type of decision-making. He doesn't want to negotiate or talk to people he actually ruins a moment between Sam Wilson and the leader of the Flag Smashers where he's actually reaching her and he decides to get too forward and too aggressive with her. And we see throughout the show, he learns both that a, he is not a very good hero. He constantly loses fights. He constantly loses battles. He loses the, um, the Dora Manju, I can't I'm really bad. pronouncing their name. Mm-hmm. Um, the warriors from Wakanda, he loses to the Flag Smashers. Um, and the whole time he wants to be more powerful. He wants to be stronger and he constantly sees his own, faults and he sees where he falls short of being steve rogers and so finally when given presented with a moment and to take the super soldier serum i think around episode four episode five he takes it and Battlestar gets killed and in a moment of rage he uses the captain America shield that he's been given to kill uh, violently murder one <laughs> of the um and i use the word murder not because i just it's killing but he essentially decapitates you don't see right. it on screen but they very clearly Imply that's what happens with the Captain America shield. Somebody and we're left with one of the most powerful visuals of any Marvel property, which is Captain America with a blood-covered shield after right. killing someone in the streets, as people with phones take pictures and they videotape it. And he very much is the Captain America that exemplifies where America falls short. He is he is violent. He tries to always get his way. You're uh, uh, regardless
0: of who he hurts, um and he. Reactionary, very. very reactionary. I guess, I guess it maybe it's a chilling scene. A politically dangerous word, but, um, but more in the sense of like he's responding. He's not. He's not being necessarily proactive or patient. He's just like, oh, somebody killed my friend. All right, I'm going to go kill them yeah. without really checking facts, without investigating, without responding due process. Yeah, um, exactly. And it's not even the
1: person that killed his friend. Right. Exactly. <laughs> he just he killed the first person he saw. Yeah. Um, In parallel to this, Sam Wilson, uh, Bucky shows him one of the original people to also undergo super uh, soldier program, Isaiah Bradley, who in the comics, I think he's the second Captain America. uh, But within the context of the show, he's this older African American man who was given a super soldier serum. He's one of the only people to survive in America. Um, The government, I should say, has been trying to cover up his existence for decades. And they erased him from the history books. He's not given any credit for his contributions to this country. And so he's very against the idea of Sam ever becoming Captain of America because he just doesn't think any black man ever should because of what this country did to him and people like him. And it's a clear parallel to the uh, what do you the the syphilis project where they gave uh, black men syphilis, telling them was some other drug to see what would happen to them. I can't remember their name off the top of my head, uh, but that was a real thing that happened. The government right. experimented on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also did the same thing to people in the Appalachian mountains and, uh, other things, um. Which I guess we're not really gonna get d- deep into because I don't think we're qualified. well, there. even
0: talking just how science has treated um black people is very bad. I mean, there are still doctors who will say that women have a higher pain tolerance, so you don't have to give them painkillers when they're giving birth and that's just not true. like it's just a bona fide, untrue. yeah, uh, I mean yeah, the tea and tulip just
1: <laughs> every day I grow more certain of its of its trueness, the total depravity of man but right
0: exactly. and it's one of those it's actually like even just, I, I have my wife says she even has a, a friend or two that are black or have spoken uh, or maybe their coworkers who said like, yeah, they're afraid to have kids because of how the science community continues to treat them. So it's <laughs> like it is a very uh, it's ha- th- this show is using storytelling to basically again, I talked about how Black yeah. Smashers is like a, a, a group that's responding to the Arab Spring. The blip is the Arab Spring. Um, this Isaiah Bradley is the harsh history of how americans have treated black people right. and he's the he's the jaded response to that which is a wholly and completely reasonable response understandable yeah <laughs> reasonable response
1: yeah and i know i know my description is getting a little long in the tooth so.
0: it's okay i mean it's the, you this this is what the show's about like this is well, what what, is. What, I,
1: what i'm trying to portray is there's these these overarching things that they're doing you have stuff with the Flag Smashers, which is this, they're the complicated, they're complicated, understandable villains, where if they weren't killing people, you could even call them, you know, commendable. Heroes. Who they're just trying to make their way in the world. And the way they're doing it may not be to the liking of some people, but that's what they're trying to do. And then you have the stuff of Bucky Barnes just trying to make amends for the people he's killed while trying to, while him and Sam Wilson are trying to track down Flag Smashers. But conversely, Sam Wilson is seeing the seedy the history of this world uh, while grappling with whether or not he really should take up the mantle of Captain America while someone else has the mantle and is doing bad things in, you know, in memory of Steve Rogers, who himself is just struggling to find his own way. And, but he's doing so in a way that's violent and reprehensible. And in the right, end, fatal. he truly becomes a corrupt, evil character, essentially, you know, that all happens across five episodes. And it's very good. Mm-hmm. It's compelling. It's interesting. And even if Disney doesn't always stick the landing with things, I was like, you know what? This is at least thought provoking. Cause at the very least, you know, in your superhero show, we're going to see a guy with wings fly around. He fights George St. Pierre. uh, One of the greatest mixed martial artists of all time. He plays a bet. the Leaper, um, big GSP fan. So I always (laughs) love seeing him and stuff. Um, He's just such a charming guy. I love him. Um, He's only beaten twice. Um, Anyway. And so like, there's, there's some fun action scenes, but in the, between it, there's this really engaging, interesting stuff, thematically, politically, and just like it raises good questions about morality. Like what should you do? Should you be loyal to a country versus loyal to your fellow man? Should you be, should America constantly grapple with its past or should it be able to move on from that? Or how do we make amends for those sorts of things? And they do get kind of like a, what some would call a centrist kind of approach to it, where you just see uh, the moment where Bucky Barnes and Sam Wilson work together to fix a boat. The boat is an obvious metaphor for America. They don't want to let it go. They want to mix that. Uh, they want to fix it together. And you see the community come together and it's, it is the kind of, uh, I don't want to say middling, but it is kind of like an acceptable resolution that everyone of all political stripes can come together and go, you know what? We can't do this one man at a time we're together, <laughs> yeah, you know?
0: exactly. Yeah. It's And
1: it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. Yeah. And now, based on everything I just said, Melvin, based on what I said about- um, That would have
0: been a good, strong first
1: season. <laughs> <laughs> well, based on what I just said about um, John Walker- and sam wilson and all this other stuff um oh and there's tons of stuff i'm not even mentioning but zemo zemo <laughs> zemo was great zemo oh, is one of my yeah. favorite
0: parts of the show very he, good addition very they good addition bring
1: him from prison and because they need his help to track down the flag smashers and he has a great dynamic or he's constantly you know a couple steps ahead of them he's really charismatic and funny he's one of my favorite villains
0: he's like a narrative uh partner to the idea of kind of how vague the show wants to be not regarding its morality, but regarding each individual character's morality, because like Zemo is a pretty bad guy. And then we learn (laughs) now that he's like, kind of like a kingpin. So he's definitely a bad guy. Um, But then like, he's helping complete tasks that are important. He's being civil with the two of them, even though he's like basically under their, his neck's under their foot kind of thing. It's a good complexity to a, good collection of characters that are yes. eclectic and interesting yes. and that's a probably what makes it i would say passable in terms of putting up with things that as the show gets to <laughs> are a little much <laughs> yeah uh, which of course you said the first five episodes you liked i guess like six through what was it there's eight in total right eight or nine i don't know but i think it's only six episodes right i i feel like it, i thought it was I like think seven he, i
1: think you can hear me clicking right now Yep, it was six episodes. Oh, really? It was only six? WandaVision's like eight episodes.
0: Okay, yeah, because I thought there was like uh, filler at some point. It felt like there was filler, but I guess the sh- the show was. The
1: the filler is the stuff of Madrapool where they go and then Agent 13 is there. Oh, that's um, right. Who's like a big character? Like, they build her up as like a really important to the show, and there's a big reveal that. Very obvious, clear reveal at the end that you everyone saw a mile coming. <laughs> yeah, Sharon Carter. I call her Agent Thirteen.
0: But. I I didn't I didn't see it coming, but I wasn't necessarily like surprised. I was just frustrated that like she revealed who she was, and then the flag smasher didn't go it's her (laughs) just like the falcons right in front of you you just found out a really important detail about another character it's just why don't you just tell him so then like as it's happening i I can't stop thinking like you could just say like well what was the characters what's the what's the comic book name she has anyway i forget like the she's agent 13 no there's agent 13 but then she's the power broker right like why didn't she just go she's the power broker she shot me she's bad like uh-huh. <laughs> and so then like she's there's supposed to be this dramatic climax and i'm like but why did she say anything <laughs> it's just so uh, let's talk about the editing <laughs> so, yeah so
1: okay like so what i'm trying to get at is if you if you're what if based on what i'm said and if you're watching the show there are clear obvious places it should go right
0: I'm not crazy in thinking that, right? And not in the sense that WandaVision is we're making fan theories and like deciding no. this would be super cool. This is more like when you watch a character arc, you can kind of see how it, when you see how a river goes, you know, the directions <laughs> it's going, you don't necessarily know where it stops. So like, that's what this is. You know where it's going. You just don't know how it's going to stop. But then, but then it stops, Daniel. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, okay. I'm not even going to bother with the meat, like with the basic, like bare bones plot because it's just, it's dumb. Because, like, the point is there's a big bad thing that's going to happen to stop it. So, all the characters, everyone gets to there. It's the, it's the, T-shaped tree in mad, mad, mad world. It's
0: basically a political terrorist attack. A bunch of people are going There's to die. A, it's
1: it's a great timing on their part as a bunch of, <laughs> a bunch of people rush upon a Capitol building um, to stop something. So, which I don't know if they wrote that into the show based on recent events, or if that's why they delayed it. <laughs> but Um, yeah, everyone shows up and all the characters are there and Sam Wilson gets his awesome, which immediately he gets his comic book accurate Captain America suit, which is really, cool. really cool suit. Um, they even do some cool stuff where he, where he does combo moves with the shield and his wings, which are fun. George and Pierre shows up to fight him again. I think he dies again. <laughs> this is the second time he's died on screen because <laughs> he got killed in uh, Age of Ultron 2. If I'm, was it Age of Ultron Civil War? Batrock the Leaper got killed. I don't
0: remember. They're going to run out of performers, like stump performers. No,
1: a Winter Soldier. He got killed in Winter Soldier. I'm sorry. Um, he got killed in a bathtub or something. <laughs> and so a couple things happen. First off, John Walker shows back up again for the final battle, which makes sense because he's been built up as kind of the arch enemy. And then for seemingly no reason, he starts helping the heroes fight the Flag Smashers. And that's it. There's no moment where he turns on the heroes. There's no moment where he has to help them out of desperation. He helps them. And they just kind of go, it's a nice seeing it again, John. You know, like there's no, it's like it, they forgot his character arc. It just stops. He's slowly becoming more and more deranged and evil. And then he just shows up at the, again, and then he just walks away. Like they don't even arrest him. He shows up. He gets involved in a. He gets involved in physical combat. Like he just beat up a bunch of people, villain or not. Like what the heck? <laughs> they know who he is. He's the only guy dressed like Captain America. It's not like he's a secret. Like and what like happened? he's
0: using like a costume of Captain America because he doesn't. He have made the his own shield. In. Yeah. Yeah, and it's like. I so I suspected he was going to have a, a a light redemption arc in the sense that he would start to transition away from his aggression and think more about <laughs> his like companion and he would have no. like because you have the whole like in the heat of the moment you know what to do and like at the end that's when he grabs the truck to pull it back but then it doesn't work anyway so it's like whatever but like so I was expecting like something where it's like he's on in the path to getting better and then what you have is as he's in other movies you're he's a wild card he is the wild card where you don't know if he's going to lose yeah, it. Yeah, he's like an anti-hero or something. Or if he's going to do the right thing. And I'm like, okay, that's kind of interesting because we've kind of just had characters that always just do the right thing. It'd be more interesting to just have characters where, like, when they show up, you're like, what's going to happen? Like, Zemo. Like, yeah, that's but, why he was so compelling. Yeah,
1: Zemo's an actual wild but like, But then he doesn't do anything. Y- yeah. And then
0: he just leaves. And then he hugs his wife at the end and has a new suit. And then they,
1: they <laughs> give him his it. comic book name, U.S. Agent, you know? But, like... Yeah, he's there's no indication that he's had any change of heart. Oh, there's and Maggie
0: Lizer's in this dude from, oh man, from that's right, yeah. Arrested Development. Um, what's her name from, uh, Seinfeld? Julia Louis Dreyfus. Yeah. who's great? Her two scenes, she's awesome. Maggie she Lizer. I can't finish the whole moniker because it's a curse word. <laughs> but I'm. I was surprised. Well, you know what? Justice is blind. I suppose all you. Arrested Development fans will know what uh, what the heck I'm talking about. <laughs> Daniel will know someday when we talk about it on the podcast.
1: Sure. So
0: that's happening. But <laughs> Reluctantly, sure. <laughs> but I yeah, I watched the first like few
1: seasons, but yeah. So that just just doesn't work at all. They just take this great, and then later in the interviews, I don't remember if it was uh, Carrie Scoglund or whoever who was working on the show. They're like, yeah, we kind of were hoping people warm up to John Walker. Dude, you
0: just severed a dude's like, well, Do you know what show <laughs> like, you're making? Wearing the American flag. What? Meanwhile, what? you look on the news and it's like, this is America. <laughs> no, don't, it's it's just Childish gambitos. This is America. Like, this, this, What do you what do you mean we're going to warm up to him? It's,
1: it's bizarre.
0: I warmed up to him because I like Wyatt Russell. Because it's basically Kurt Russell 2.0. He's
1: great. He's great in this show. He
0: like he almost acts and performs exactly like his dad, but not in a sense that he's copying him or just because he's his son. Yeah. Um. And like, so it's, I'm glad he's around, but I warmed up to him for the actor, not the character. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's, it's bizarre. It's a bizarre decision. And then the whole thing is capped off with after the Flag Smashers stopped because there's one Senator or government guy, you know, suit who's been clearly been like, let's just get rid of all these immigrants out of these places. They'll find new (laughs) homes. Like his comic, he's, he's, you know, he's a captain planet villain. You know, he's just comically evil with, for no reason. And then he, you know, he, he has a moment where like Falcon, after stopping the bad guys comes down the middle of the street and there's cameras everywhere. And he's, he's got the captain America shield and he's captain America. Now, you know, captain America is, is black. Now I deal with it. you know? And then he's just like, then he, he cuts this like long. He cuts the monologue from Rocky Four, where Rocky's like people could change. He does that for like twenty <laughs> minutes, it's and so it's just horrible. It's just like the most like sugary sweet, corny. The letterbox
0: reviews are pretty bad. They're like, yeah. If if only it was so easy to just tweet at a politician and tell them you should do this. <laughs> it's it's <laughs> such boilerplate, like
1: basic, like you know, we are the world. You just basically <laughs> should just start seeing that it's the same speech, you know. And it was just, like, I half-expected, like, you know, you know, Hulk Hogan with, like, a guitar and, a, and an American flag behind him to come out and eagles to fly in. And Abraham Lincoln comes from his grave and goes, this is what I always wanted, you know. And Pat Wilson on the back. It's just terrible. It's, he is just, it's the most, like, if you asked me in eighth grade to write what I thought, like what speech would change the world? If this is the speech I write, you know, <laughs> it just, I would have thrown in more Jesus stuff. You know, it's just, it's so bad. It's the cheesiest most on the nose thing in the world. And then him and uh, him and the uh, Bucky go, ha ha, that was something. And they walk off. And then the one good thing is that they give Isaiah Bradley. The whole thing is that his history has been erased. And so they take Isaiah Bradley and they take him to the, to the museum we've seen throughout the Marvel films with Captain America. Mm-hmm. And they've now added an exhibit talking about Isaiah Bradley,
0: like the unsung hero of the super yeah, soldier that program. That was great.
1: Totally. That was the it's one
0: beautiful. That was emotional. And I wanted Bucky's closing to be emotional too, but they basically like fast forward through him meeting with the neighbor who he's trying to reconcile with. Oh
1: yeah. That's good. I totally forgot to mention that. That was good stuff.
0: And like, I would have loved that to like, I would have loved that conversation. I would have loved to to sit (laughs) there and like, listen to him because then you're basically getting the character. You're basically getting the metaphor for people reconciling their pro like the sins they've done and seeking, like confessing and seeking repentance for them. Like, and that would have been like just (laughs) gut-wrenching. It's just gut-wrenching to watch. And they like, they not only like fast forward through it with cuts that are really quick, but they have like music play over it. That like is basically the sort of like resolution tune that just decides like all's well that ends well. Yeah. yeah. He's he's okay. Yeah. It's, it's all right. It's cool. You killed my son. It, it's, like no yeah. biggie. It's,
1: it doesn't work. There's there's three reasons why this episode doesn't work. The first is that the action scenes like, okay, I can accept if you decide to go all out, like, you know, we're going to throw the kitchen sink at the wall kind of action scenes. But it's just, it's very basic, like streaming service action scenes, which is punchy, it's punchy, kicky. And like it, the, the Flag Smashers are not good villains because of their physical they're not intimidating threat looking. to the heroes. They're interesting villains because you kind of understand why they're doing what they're doing. Um, and it's just like bad, un- uninspired action. Um, it doesn't work because all of the resolutions that do happen are either disappointing or don't make any sense. you you get the reveal that turns out that, you know, Sharon Carter has been in the power broker this whole time. Okay. You know, and it's fine, you know, and the resolution of the flag smashers thing is that they just beat them up. The resolution, of the John Walker thing is that I guess he's an okay guy. Just
0: whitewash his history. It's just, it's just,
1: just okay. And all, all of the complex, moral, ethical, racial topics you brought up, get, get taken care of with just this terrible monologue. It's just, yeah. It's like the resolutions don't make any sense. The character arcs don't make any sense. They go with the most obvious, blunt thing you could think of, and it's just, it's just a real letdown, you know. Like, the they 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 flirted with so many interesting ideas and themes, and then they either lacked any sort of convictions, where either they just didn't want to make any sort of resolutions to those complex problems they they brought up for fear that doing anything in any direction would just make people mad or or what but it's just it's just a giant it's just the air got let out of the balloon all at once and it just kind of flopped on the floor and it's just a
0: sounds like a wet fart yeah it's not good it's it's tiresome because like it right after wandavision it's kind of tough because wandavision was so good that like going into falcon i was like i really want this to be just as good especially because i liked the first episode and the fact that like i remember talking to my wife i was like that was like a nothing happened. That was awesome. (laughs) Like (laughs) literally the episode's like, I'm going to therapy. I'm trying to get a loan. Credits roll. (laughs) That was great. I love this. He's like, it's you can't do that in the movie because you just took all. your are a parent who just took six of your kids to the film. You got you just spent a hundred dollars. You got popcorn and all these tickets. Your one kid pooped, so you have to go out and take him to get a diaper change. The other ones are too loud and being obnoxious. Your last kid just got into a fight with someone he sat next to, so now it's a miserable time. I just want this movie to be loud enough and dumb enough to keep to, to just drown all this out, so they can't just have Bucky sit in therapy. He's got to punch his feelings out. Um, And then in the show, they could take their time and do it. And then like, yeah, the last episode is almost like they ran out of time. Like just give them another episode. I don't know. Like
1: it it feels like the entire creative team and everyone behind the camera got fired after episode five. And they just found people like around set, like you, you, are you, you filmmaker? And they're like, Oh, I'm a senior in film school. You know, like, Oh, I guess you're directing, you know, whatever (laughs) surprise
0: promotions. Yeah. That's
1: what it feels like. It's just, it's so it's like, there's this great scene early on where like after John Walker kills that guy, he's in front of um, Congress or whatever. And he's talking about, like, this is the person that you made me. This is what you trained me to do. This is your fault. Yeah,
0: you made me into this. This is, the entire system has created me into this, and now I'm getting, like, court-martialed.
1: That's an interesting thing. Like, this is this is the Captain America you secretly wanted, you know? Which
0: is also a real thing. That's literally, like, what happens to soldiers. <laughs> oh, we just made you into a killing machine. PTSD? What's that? Go home. <laughs> like and then, he shows
1: up and it's like the super friends yeah you know? it's, it's just so like weird oh, like oh there's two captain america's what an embarrassment of riches let's fight the bad guys you know <laughs> it's just it's bizarre i Gee, don't bill
0: america lets you have two captains like this is ridiculous <laughs> like this is... That,
1: is a, that is a deep meme reference um <laughs> i got more it's i don't i i'm fl- i was flabbergasted i was sitting there watching it it's it's funny. If you go to a Wikipedia page for any of the shows, um, they actually show the the art rotten tomato score per episode. And there's just this it's <laughs> like a chart and there's this immense dive with the last episode. It's like Game of Thrones you know?
0: Know? <laughs> season like season eight where it's yeah, just exactly. like, you know, just everything's like, bad. <laughs> it's just Wait, yeah. you mean this won't all tie together? <laughs> I would have loved to watch like a live recording where it's like you're watching the pe like imagine like you're watching listener you're watching me and daniel sit on a couch watch like each episode live and it's like every episode there's something compelling you got your 30 minute post discussion and then like the last episode is like we're so excited (laughs) and then like each five minutes we're just like sunk sunking further into the couch and like just less <laughs> less interested the monologue starts and like daniel opens the six beer and it's just like it's just it gets worse and worse it's like man it, dude it's like the talking dead when like walking dead got worse through each season and like the talking dead became a funnier show to watch because people would just ask the writers yeah but why did that character do that Like the writers just couldn't answer. They're like, well, because we need to do this, which is literally like when um Lori gets into the car accident in season two, and they're like, Why'd she do that? And then you're like, I don't know. <laughs>
1: like, Why'd you ride in a car accident during a post-apocalyptic future where there's no traffic? And it was <laughs> like, one zombie. She swerves is-
0: out of the road because one zombie's in the road. <laughs> but it's a straight road. So you would have seen yeah. it. <laughs> there's no phone. There's not a cell phone in sight. She was not texting and driving. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, that's literally what happens with this last episode. <laughs> it's like what's going on man yeah. you got it you had it for five episodes what happened dude? i don't
1: know if they're just banking on because this i wandavision is all signs point to the no season two this might get a season two so i don't know if there's banking on like all right we'll just you know we a season to fix this <laughs> we'll or fix something post we'll fix it in post, we'll it in post. <laughs> um because you know Marvel's some-
0: back on their stuff man they, they got a new deal, dealer we'll, they're we'll, back s- on we'll it. see
1: we'll see what loki's like but like you know, it, 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 part of it is like each episode, every episode also threw in a new element. Like, we're going to Madrid pool. Oh, Zemo's here. Oh, the, you know, uh, the Dora Malaje are here. You know, right. we'll every episode had yeah. new developments or they had that post-credit scene in season five where you see him making a shield with his old medals and stuff. And then like season six, there's no big reveals. There's no like character cameos or anything. It's just, it's just blah, you know? Um, so yeah, I don't think... Like, I don't know if there's banking on fans just being so invested they like, oh, is US Agent going to be in like the Thunderbolts? Is he gonna be the Thunderbolts version of Captain America? You know? Or if they're just banking on like, ah, who cares? Like there's enough like there's enough breadcrumbs there and carrots to dangle from the audience or they'll just keep watching to see what happens next. Or if they legitimately were like, Yes, this is the perfect, <laughs> like this will be a satisfying this was our vision finale, you know.
0: <laughs> did any um did anybody in production apologize in an interview?
1: No, I don't. Not that I'm aware of.
0: <laughs> it's yeah. Not it's, that it's, they should. I don't think they should. No. i mean If they did, that's unfortunate. It's but. not good.
1: I don't. It's <laughs> it's it's the most. It's this is one of the most disappointing things I've seen out of the MCU in terms of like being genuinely excited because it's like even if something like Age of Ultron is pointed to is one of the worst movies in the fr- in the franchise. But even then, like I can sit there and be like, "Oh, but there's these awesome action sequences. There's a lot of fun character moments. Um, it like it aimed, it did, it didn't aim so high and then and then hit so low, or it just kind of. This had like such potential for five straight episodes, and that's what's so disappointing in it. There's all these flirtations with greatness that just end up. None of it gets paid off. None of it goes anywhere, and it's just like it's such a it's
0: a It's sad. It's just sad. It's like, it's like in SpongeBob when they're building it, when Squidward's building the art piece and it's like this amazing, amazing piece of art. And he's like, it's not finished. And then he puts a squid nose on it. (laughs) It's just like, now it's done. No, (laughs) he just made it worse, dude. (laughs) It's so bad. Oh man. All right. Well, all right. So the show's fine and then it's not, but I guess it's not the worst thing I've seen this year um It's just. I agree I mean, though. It is annoying. That's the that, bar. Like, then, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think it is amazing how much impact a, a poor ending can have. Because um, you can have a rough start, but if like the ending's good, it's you're you're holding out for it, and it makes it it's, exciting. It's the but, last
1: thing people remember, so you gotta stick the landing. Because
0: at that point, it's like I almost wouldn't say watch it, because it's just like. I mean, I guess I would because it's like, I don't know. I don't know. It's not my recommendation, so I'm not going to act like I'm about to recommend it in the future. If
1: if it ends up Uh, being super important to some future Marvel continuity, whatever, then I guess you got to watch it.
0: Or at least- yeah, like the last episode was set in the alternate universe and we're going to get the real <laughs> ending in like another yeah, season or something. Yeah, in
1: Multiverse of Madness, they'll just be like, oh no, only episodes one through five are canon. Episode six, that <laughs> was uh, Mysterio was playing with your minds, you know. Bring back Jill and Gyllenhaal. which they could do that. I mean, that's what they're doing. Like uh, the Flash movies essentially just going to like make continuity whatever they want. Michael Keaton Batman's like confirmed to be back. They showed the shooting locations to try re- to like, recreate Tim Burton's like Gotham and everything. That oh, it's sick.
0: Cool. Yeah. Is his car going to shoot a pole and then swing around it?
1: Maybe we'll see.
0: That'd be awesome. <laughs> the <a> dream day. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I guess we'll cut into our recommendations then. Cause I, I got nothing else to say about this. I mean, sure. It, it was good watching, but, um, and, frankly the the this discussion was more engaging than the, the last episode but <laughs> um i'll i'll start off with recommendations right. um, i'm going to be recommending another podcast uh, this is a, a whole podcast not just an episode like last episode uh this recommendation is for a new york times podcast called day x it is about an investigation uh one of their journalists did i for, i just need to get names at some point uh but this journalist from new york times investigated um a particular, like, basically, what happened in Germany is that a janitor, or custodian, found a gun in like a a back room. He reported it, and the, the police basically said, "Like, hey, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna do a, like a we're gonna set up cameras, and we're gonna see who comes and gets it." The man who gets it is a man, I believe, it was named Frank Frankel I Frankel A. And if you're a German listen German listener, you probably already know about this. But basically, it turns out this guy was a part of a Um, a neo-Nazi group that when he was being interviewed by the police at the time performed as a Turkish man um, because what he wanted was to do commit a terrorist attack as a performing as a Turkish man to then build stoke up hatred and racism for um, refugees that are in Germany right now. As the, as people have been investigating this further, they've been finding out like this man has connections to like, it's 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 basically the whole hydra thing in a uh, winter soldier it's almost exactly that um which is why I'm recommending it here because it's if you want to hear basically a real world situation that's still developing it's this where it's like neo nazis are basically still very active um if you've seen Eris Fedor da from twenty fourteen a German film that is um uh, it's basically about how Hitler comes back, uh, but doesn't know that he's back, and everyone thinks he's fake. But then it does. Um, they do Sasha Baron Cohen style comedy where it's like you put people. You basically do gotcha interviews with people where, like in that particular movie, people are saying like, "Oh, we wish you were back," and like they whispered to him like, "If you were here, I'd totally follow you." And you're like, "Holy crap, dude! That's wicked. That's what's happening here with Day X." And you're basically listening to how. German officials are worried that like the police might have neo-Nazis in them, how there's literally a particular, uh, some police were let go in Frankfurt because they were in a particular chat group for neo-Nazis and how that chat group had other policemen in it. Um, An entire system that is like, oh, this is still happening. That's not good. Um, And it's, it's a really compelling podcast, very well-constructed, Um, at the time there's only three episodes, but I'm pretty sure by the time this is up, either the show will be done or, um, is still going to be ongoing. I don't know how many episodes they're planning to have, but it is very good. Um, and it's, it's, it's frightening when you realize that because they're using chat rooms, people from all around the world can be in them. And, because of the internet, people can communicate across borders. And so I think it's interesting as an American listening to it, because it's not something that's all that foreign to imagine that, you know, racists can be doing horrible things using the internet and have intentions of killing people um, and doing terrible things. And in some cases, as the episode episodes develop are succeeding at killing people um, and committing terrorist terror terrible acts of violence Um, so definitely check it out i i've been really enjoying it in the sense that it's educational not enjoying it because i'm sadistic um that's one of the frustrating things about talking about the news is to say like you're enjoying it and then it's like melvin you should What do you mean? (laughs) Like, um, so I def that's definitely my recommendation, and I think it kind of fits the same energy that uh, that's I guess my keyword for today is energy. But it fits the same vibe as Falcon and Winter Soldier does, where it's using metaphor to discuss real world situations. Uh, Day X is just an actual real world situation. So yeah, there you go. What do you got, Dan?
1: Oh, um, very different from what you're talking about. (laughs) Uh, So to start with, uh, to be continue my. commentary recommendation. Um, I previously have talked about doing sermon series with my pastor about Galatians. And so um, with my young adults group, I am going through the Psalms. And one of the resources that I find to be very interesting when doing that is from Charles Spurgeon. Uh, He wrote a three volume Psalms commentary called the treasury of David. And I will say that it kind of breaks my rule on like good formatting where I find that the commentary is formatted very uh, weirdly where it includes um, the entire text of the psalm, and then it includes essentially a sermon from him, and then there's like preachers' tips, or includes little like factoids and things you can focus on when talking about it, which I find very helpful. Um, but the, you know, Charles Spurgeon is one of my uh, favorite theologians to ever exist. He's simultaneously includes great depth, and when he talks about God or the scriptures, and but it's very real, real world apl- applicable. Um and he's very contemplative and just he has a naturally devotional writing style, if that makes sense. Um every time I read his work, I'm convicted in some way. And it's just he it's it's a pretty common commentary to find. Like I see it pop up in a lot of used bookstores. Um the set I have right now I didn't even pay for. It, it was just being given away by a library that I was at. Um so Treasury of David by Charles Spurgeon, it's it's a wonderful resource. It looks beautiful on your bookshelf. Um, but as with everything ever Charles Spurgeon ever wrote, I highly recommend it. But in my other uh, recommendation, I'm going to recommend a different streaming series currently on the internet. Uh, on Netflix, there was a series called Sweet Tooth, which is recently released. Um, it is based on the comic book by Jeff Lemire. Jeff Lemire is a terrific writer. And he wrote um, A.D. After Death with Scott Snyder. He wrote some stuff for Moon Knight. He wrote Roughneck, which is a very visceral uh, comic if you ever read it. Uh, but Jeff Lemire's Sweet Tooth is, it was described, if you look on the Wikipedia page, it's described as Mad Max meets Bambi. Um, it's <laughs> not quite awesome. that awesome. <laughs> um, um, but Sweet Tooth, it takes place in a universe where there is a, a virus, a viral outbreak. So um may hit a little close to home for some people. Uh, but during the same time, and it's unclear what the correlation is. Uh, all babies are born as hybrids. They're born half, like part animal, part human. Um, so it's post-apocalyptic world where everyone's getting sick and dying and babies are being born as hybrids. We start off with Will Forte playing a dad and he's a boy secret at playing dads, um, with his son and they live in Yellowstone national park. And he's just raising his son away from everyone. Cause in this world, people are killing hybrids. Um, it's not quite clear what the full reason for it is. And the show kind of delves into that a little bit. Uh, but what makes this show work really great is that the child actor playing, um, the kid, cause it follows a kid who's a hybrid as he travels, uh, attempting to find his mom uh, Hence the Bagby thing um, Is that the kid actor is tremendous He perfectly acts like a kid In a way that's realistic and grounded He does do the thing where like Sometimes they're trying to write kids Where they always have like really sharp one-liners And are way more quick-witted than any kid I've ever met is um, But he plays a virtuous Just gosh darn it Such an adorable, lovable kid um and as he traverses post-apocalyptic world almost every character that meets him just immediately falls in love with this kid and wants to help take care of him um and the strength is there's some sort of dual narratives going on where they sort of jump around a little bit to see different characters and how they're doing in this world and as the show goes on you kind of see the way that their their plots interact with one another it's really really compelling it's emotionally gripping in a way that i haven't experienced on a show in a long time um which the first thing we were watching while we were watching it. We were like, My mother in law should never watch this because she hates shows with kids in danger. And that's all this show is it's just ongoing danger towards a kid. <laughs> um, it's, but it's, it's compelling. It's beautifully shot. It looks great. Um, and James Brolin is the narrator and he's just a wonderful narrator. Uh, highly recommend it, Sweet Tooth. It's only at eight episodes so far and that are on Netflix. Um, they are like 50 minutes each. Uh, it's really great. And I just really, really like it. And compared to, um, a lot of other comic book uh, adaptations. This one really doesn't... You wouldn't really know it unless you knew The source Chill beforehand. It really stands alone as its own thing. So, uh, Sweet Tooth. It's on Netflix.
0: Thanks so much for checking out this episode of Cinematic Doctrine. If you enjoyed this episode, consider leaving a review and subscribing to the podcast. And as mentioned before, Cinematic Doctrine has a Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you're opted into a once a month movie poll where you decide a movie we discuss on the podcast. There are other unique benefits that come with supporting the podcast, so be sure to check that out at patreon.com forward slash cinematic doctrine. A special shout out to those who support at the Art House Theater tier on Patreon. Thank you so much, Mom, Dad, Melanie, Shirlion, and Thomas. You guys are the best, and your continued monetary support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, stay cool. Want some Cinematic Doctrine swag? You're in luck! We've got 3-inch Cinematic Doctrine logo stickers exclusive for Patreon supporters. Perfect for your travel mug or laptop. Head over to patreon.com forward slash cinematicdoctrine, link in the show notes, and choose the independent theater tier. Doing so will net you other perks too. But let's be real, the podcast stickers are the coolest perk. So get yourself some podcast stickers by supporting on Patreon.